In this podcast episode, we want to introduce you to our BCEN friend, Mary Whelan. Come along as Michael Dexter and Holly Briggs talk with Mary about nursing leadership. Looking across the span of her career, what topics she believes are most important for those continuing to lead the profession. This episode is called Reigniting Leadership in Nursing. Hello, and welcome to the BCN and Friends podcast, where we hold interesting conversations about learning with a range of thought leaders, BCN certification holders, and industry professionals. But most importantly, to create value and insight for you, our professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. We hope you find our discussions interesting, informative, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, and always valuable. I'm Holly Briggs, a professional development specialist at BCEN and one of your hosts for today. I am joined by my co-host, Michael Dexter, Director of Professional Development at BCEN. Hi, Michael. Hello, Holly. It's great to have you with us. In this episode of BCN and Friends, we have Mary Whalen. Mary is a leader in the nursing profession who has proven over the course of her career that she understands the dynamics of creating a culture of value-based care within healthcare. Michael, could you please introduce us to our BCN friend, Mary? I'd be happy to. Thanks, Holly and Mary. It's good to have you uh, with us today. Mary has had many different leadership positions over the last 24 years in her career. She's been a manager, director, board chair, and more. From a level two trauma center to a community hospital ED and a heart hospital center of excellence, she's proved time and time again with every leadership role that she possesses the tools to transform department culture and produce improved staff and patient engagement scores. Mary built a reputation of actively engaging with staff to assist with patient flow and clinical care, helping build a relationship with bedside staff and demonstrating to them that she understands the valuable work they're doing. Mary's tireless work to develop strategic collaborations within the ED and the healthcare system resulted in outcome data that reflected clinical excellence under her leadership. Mary, welcome to the BCN and Friends podcast. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you, Michael. I'm really excited to talk with you about nursing leadership. So before we dive into that a little more, tell us more about your career and what drove you to become a nurse and, and then later on to become a nurse leader. Okay. Well, I started out as a staff nurse, as as most of us have, and then quickly progressed to a charge nurse role. And I really loved being in a charge nurse role. I liked uh, to be able to promote flow within the department. And uh, it was an emergency trauma center. It was over 80 beds. And we saw, well, as we grew, we saw over 100,000 patients annually in this department. And I used to come in and work evening shift. And whenever I arrived on a busy evening shift, when the unit was in overcapacity, I found it very fulfilling to optimize productivity of the team and promote patient flow. My innate ability to organize chaos allowed me to tackle this challenge and to optimize the team's uh, productivity. Uh, what I what I learned very early in my career is that it's just not about being a nurse. It's about engaging the physician group, the techs, the administrative associates. Everybody has to be on the same path. And unless you value each role, you're not going to be able to be productive. Um, so each afternoon, I would arrive into an overcapacity uh, situation. And by the end of the shift, work was completed efficiently. Trauma alerts were coordinated and the personnel moved from one clinical presentation to the next, depending on the acuity and the volume. 
and the ability to shift priorities and lead the team effectively when the next challenge was still yet unknown really appealed to me. I think that that was the foundation of moving into a different kind of a role than just a bedside staff nurse. So what I found is that having a proactive uh, approach, over-communicating, rounding throughout the entire shift to every unit, to every pod, and valuing each member of the healthcare team was instrumental in this role. And because I really enjoyed doing that, I did then transition into administrative roles, which would impact the quality of care um, along with patient flow. So from the charge nurse role, I went on to become the associate director of the emergency trauma center. And then our healthcare system did uh, acquire a small community hospital. So I became the director of the emergency department there. It was only a 24-bed community hospital, and it needed to be turned around. The patient satisfaction scores there were were abysmal, actually. Uh, And we did increase those scores um, by a, a wide margin in a very short period of time. And then from there, I went to a hospital, once again, a community hospital, but a 42-bed emergency department, and it is known for its heart care, and just really took a hospital that was already in in good standing, and we improved. We improved flow. We improved um, the quality of care. And once again, the collaboration with the physicians was instrumental in my success with that role. You know, you mentioned having to turn things around. You mentioned things that were already really good and that you you continue to optimize them. So what made you want to just continuously seek out ways to improve these processes, even in a good state or when when you found some of those failures, what was your driving force to to turn them around or to work harder to improve them? When I worked in the emergency trauma center, actually, I worked with an administrative team, which was physicians and nurses. And the whole motto of the four of us was never be satisfied. Always try to strive for more. And at first I thought, goodness, how do you how do you work that way? But then I realized that that's what you have to be. You can never reach just the standard. You always have to be striving to be better than you were. We owe it to our patients. And I think you can see it just in nursing careers. You know, those those nurses who become certified, you become better at the bedside when you're certified. And then also education. You know, I was fortunate enough to just get my bachelor's right off the bat, but going through the master's program made me a different person, made me a different nurse, made me a different leader. And I think that the value of those things is just immeasurable. It's far reaching. I appreciate what you brought up about staff nurse taking that first step into taking a charge role and just realizing when you're a staff nurse, it's like your patients, you have a very narrow focus on kind of what you're managing. And then as a charge nurse, you kind of lift your head up a little bit and you see a little bit bigger picture and you start to try to manage that, as you said, the chaos of all of it. And you're trying to just optimize it, make it function as as best as possible. But then you continued to grow the field of view and also your influence on it, right? As you took even higher leadership positions and what I think is really cool is when you have someone who can 
enact change, who can see a problem and actually do what it takes to enact change. I think having creativity, maybe looking at it a little bit differently and being able to bring that up, you know, listening to the ideas from your team and then saying, okay, this, I I hear what you're saying, let's do this. So over the course of your career, what innovative changes have you been able to implement that resonated with your staff? Because I heard also in your responses, you wanted to bring value to the whole team, not just nursing, but to the whole team involved. And so what things have you done that your staff were like, thank you for helping us get to this place? So I think one of the things that I I was very keen on is real-time problem solving. And that was something that I developed in the emergency trauma center with this administrative team with whom I had a lot of trust and they had a lot of trust in me. And as long as I could explain myself afterwards as to why I made that decision at that point in time, then, you know, it was, it was okay. What was interesting was when I went to the other community hospitals and I saw the culture of reporting the problems and referring complaints instead of dealing with them real time. And I saw the difference that we made. And then we had to change the cultures of these community hospitals. And we had to empower the charge nurses to say, what are you going to do real time to, to make things different? Um, at that point in time, we we developed roles and responsibilities, which clearly depicted and delineated each role. And then we also developed scripted lines and people don't seem to like scripted lines, but when you tell them about the challenging encounter that they may be experiencing and you give them words that work, even if they don't use them verbatim, they get the the message. And that's what you need to do, especially when you're dealing with difficult people. I think one of the things that is very important as a leader is to hold people accountable People want to be accountable. They want to do a good job. Nobody wants to do a a bad job. But also, you have to hold the public accountable. And at times, the public can have bad behavior. And that needs to be addressed. And as charge nurses, that needs to be addressed real time, not referred to the director to deal with the next day. And I think that one of the things that I did is I was able to use these scripted lines And the staff was able to actually observe me, use them when people were out of line. So I remember a story that we had where a nurse came to me and she was very concerned about uh, the way that a patient's father was making her feel. She was, it was a, it was a, a pediatric patient and she was dehydrated. So the nurse had to, of course, start an IV on a dehydrated four-year-old, which we all know was very challenging. So when the nurse missed the insertion the first time, the father became very angry at the nurse. And he was very intimidating. And she came to me and she said, I just don't feel safe with him there. I I feel like he's going to explode. And I fear for my safety. So I, as a charge nurse, did have to go into them and I had to, you know, I alerted security first and just said, I'm going to deal with this myself, but I need you to be in close proximity because I'm not sure how this is going to go. And I went in and I told him that, you know, I'm Mary Whalen, I'm the charge nurse here today. And it's my job to make sure that the work environment is safe for the nurses. And you're making this nurse feel unsafe. She feels very threatened by your behavior. 
So you have two, two options. You can either change your behavior so that she feels safe or you need to leave. And when you directly confront bad behavior, people respond. Sometimes they leave. Sometimes they stay. This gentleman decided to stay and things went fine and the nurse was comfortable. And then the staff, I mean, that just becomes the buzz. It shows that you really care about them and that you want to make sure that they are safe in their work environment. So there's a lot of power in doing something like that. And it comes down to using scripted lines. So that's one of the things that I think is very is is very successful, at least with my management style, is the mentoring of the charge nurses for real-time problem solving. And then the compliments that have to go along with that when they deal with a bad situation in real time. And they usually come up with a very good outcome. Compliments to people that they really go a far way. And one of the things that we did in, in the hospitals in the last few years was we always had a daily check-in call. And it was a call in the morning, usually about eight or so. And it was to frame the organizational situational awareness so that you knew how the day was going to go. Or is the hospital in overcapacity? Where are we most busy? What to expect for the day? And then we would follow that with a, with a safety huddles in our department. So most of our staff came in at 11. That was when we had a full staff. So we would have safety huddles, and this would be the creation of unit-based situational awareness so that everybody on the team knew what was going on. So these huddles started out small, but they became so intense, especially during COVID when we really didn't know what we were doing and things were changing every few hours. But they included the charge nurse, they included all the nurses, they included the techs, the uh, administrative associates, they included um, the physicians, they included the advanced practice professionals, they included radiology, they included EVS, infection prevention would come, anybody who we would invite would come, usually they were so well done that the administrator on call would come. So it was a huge group and everyone was advised of what was going on at that moment in time, what to expect, what were their concerns, who did we need to recognize, who did a good job, what was a bad situation, how was it handled? And, you know, within five or six minutes, you provided so much education and also recognize people for a job well done. And that just encourages everybody else so that they can be mentioned as well. So that's one of the things that I think was very successful. I did mention the roles and responsibilities so that everybody had clearly defined expectations of what they were to do for the shift. And then once again, the value of the bedside providers, whoever did a good job, you know, how quick did we get that patient up to the cath lab? Who needs to be recognized for that? You know, where was there a great save? Who identified this? You know, those kind of things go a long way with making people aware, but also just taking extraordinary efforts and saying good job. Well, Mary, I think you've um, shared a lot. I've been writing down my own notes here. And so I appreciate some of your some of your insight on this with supporting the staff, also with the example you gave of that patient's father, as well as recognizing the staff and using scripted lines, daily check-ins, collaborating with external stakeholders. So you've given a lot of great information. And one of the things that I wanted to ask, you know, I, I think a lot of the information you just gave is really how to succeed in the department, but I, I just wanted to kind of go back to the individual. You have worked as a subject matter expert with BCEN starting out as an item writer. And so, you know, you were, you were 
active not only in the department, but you are active personally and professionally. And if you were looking at nurses um, across the spectrum of, of healthcare that wanted to be leaders, what are some personal things that you would tell them to focus on to help encourage some more active um, collaboration with others in the profession and ways that they could improve their practice personally to help then complement their leadership role? You bring up a good point there, Michael. Yes, I became very involved with BCN um, back in 2004. So I was fortunate enough to be nominated by my co-workers um, for the Distinguished CEN Award. Uh, and I did receive that in 2004. And that was kind of a game changer for me. Um, at that point in time, there was an active invitation for item writers, and I really didn't know much about it, but I decided to throw my throw myself into the mix here and see if I would be chosen as an item writer. And then in 2005, I did become an item writer. From there, I joined the exam construction review committee and um, ultimately became the chair of that and then served on the board of certification for emergency nursing BCN and um, you know became the treasurer the secretary and ultimately the chairperson so that was very very fulfilling in that first of all being an item writer on the exam construction review committee just had you in the most up-to-date references all the time and you just you were consistent you were continually learning you know, maybe that answer was no longer correct because nursing or medicine had changed. And so does it need to be looked at and does it need to be revised? Those are the the inner workings of, you know, writing a test and making sure that it, it remains a, a competent test. So that was quite a learning experience for me, just to learn the science of test, test writing. Um, but just the collaboration and the relationships that I developed over my time with BCEN, I have nurse colleagues throughout the nation. It's just interesting to have people throughout the nation that you can call your friends. And the other thing that is interesting about that is when we would have issues or problems, we would talk about them. And the collaboration allowed you to bring some pretty innovative ideas back to your own home base. Um and I just think it's important that you continue with your own professional development. And BCN did allow me to do that. Every time I went to a, a meeting, a board meeting or a conference, I learned something new. So, you know, the fact that you're a continual learner is very important when you're a leader. Yeah, I used to work with a, a lady that would say good people attract good people. And I think when you're around people that have a similar mindset, a similar focus, whether it's item writing or whether it's, you know, being part of a work group or a study or even in the hospital, just being able to be in a room with some of these people, it encourages you to be a better person. It, it sharpens you up. It makes you want to do better and do more and learn more. And um I get a lot out of out of item writing work groups personally, just because I learn so much. I get so many viewpoints, and and it helps you really have more support of your fellow nurses that are doing the same thing you're doing. So, I appreciate the insight. And I am going to follow that up because you have mentioned um, your item writing work. You've mentioned serving on the board. We thank you for that. But you didn't mention the fact that you've actually written some training courses for BCN Learn. Um, 
I'll go ahead and name drop here the first 100 days in the nurse manager office, as well as reigniting employee engagement, which just launched in January of 2024. So you have created some very in-depth coursework on leadership and how to set a foundation for success. Why do you feel that these subjects are so important and so needed for nursing right now? Well, first of all, I think that there's many people in roles that are very new to their positions and there aren't a lot of mentors out there, you know, with the pandemic and the challenges that that put onto people's shoulders, many decided to walk away and that leaves the newer nurse and the younger workforce with a lot of challenges. These modules that you just mentioned, um, they hit very difficult uh, subject matter. Actually, just putting them together, I had to go to so many different references because there's nobody who really brings it together, who puts it there for you so that you can go through the module and actually learn a lot. And a lot of things that are very applicable to units, to to a trauma center, to a to an emergency department, to to really any type of clinical setting. But the the first 100 days in the nurse manager's office really took business management skills, and I kind of twisted them to the healthcare environment. And so I think that a nurse, especially a new nurse, can learn a lot. From going through that, that those things. One of the most important things, again, is listening and valuing and engaging others. That's what's important for, for one to move forward and to make sure that you do it with collaboration of all of the interdisciplinary team. That's just very important. In the, um, in the module related to reigniting employee engagement, that's a very difficult module to write because it really, um, depicts the weary state of the nursing workforce post-pandemic and the fact that that needs to be acknowledged. And then there has to be a strategy that's instituted so that nurses can recover. Um, Because unless you acknowledge the impact of recurrent trauma to an individual, you're not going to be able to get to a better state. And I saw that with many nurses who would come to me and They just needed to change and we would talk about things and they talk about where they could maybe go or where they needed to drive their mindset towards because the emergency department or the the trauma room was not something that could work for them any longer. They had been so profoundly impacted that they needed change. And as a leader, that's our job. Sometimes leaders become so focused on retaining their workforce and filling the slot that they lose sight of the fact that they need to do what's right for the person. And they need to keep that nurse in the profession. And potentially that means going somewhere else. But you need to explain that to them and you need to encourage them and you need to help them. You need to talk to the next leader and say, this is what's going on and they need this chance and they need to be able to do this so that they can be successful in their career and in their life. And I I find that that's difficult for some leaders to do. And I've actually mentored some of my other nurse leader colleagues to say, hey, you have to do what's right, what's right for this individual. So the other thing that is very important to me and I think helps to drive decision making, especially for the young nurse or the young nurse leader, is to always make sure that you do what's right for the patient. 
And this administrative team had one physician leader would say, remember, it's about the patients first, the staff is second, and number three is to never confuse the two. What's interesting, when I went to these community hospitals, you know, if you're in overcapacity and a patient is an emergency room patient, but they have a room at the next area of care, but the nurse is too busy to take the patient, and yet you have 30 patients in the waiting room, well, what is that decision about? That decision is about the staff. And we had to talk to these other nurse leaders about how are you going to figure it out? Because if we're 30 under, what are you going to do to take one more patient? It was a lot of kind of mentoring and talking people through that. It was funny because when I left the community hospital, that's what they said. It's about the patient first. And when you do that and you don't confuse the two, you can really move things along because you always do what's right. Mary, you have great perspective, and I really appreciate you sharing all of this with us. And one thing that we love to ask everybody on this podcast is, is there a certain patient or is there a certain person or a moment in your career that really impacted you and changed your the trajectory of what you're doing? And so who helped you get to where you are today? So, Michael, I do have many mentors. The administrative team at the first hospital where I worked was incredible. Um my family, my parents, just incredible as well. But I think there was one moment that really made me realize the importance of being kind. <clears throat> and it was only explaining to a family member what was actually occurring that made such a profound difference to this mom. I was a charge nurse on a busy evening shift and a patient, we received pre-hospital notification that there was a pedestrian struck. They estimated his age to be about 16. He had no ID on him. We didn't know who he was. He was by himself. And he arrived and it was um, really when cell phones, it was a flip cell phones. And so they didn't have much information in them. And the, the cell phone was just about dying. And I was able to um, call home. And, you know, a, a female did answer the phone. When the patient arrived, he was unresponsive. So he was a full resuscitation in the trauma room and, of course, going over to CAT scan. And so the, the trauma team was with him at his bedside. It was in a critical care patient. So I ended up talking to his mom, and at first she was trying to use every every which way she could to say that this was most likely not her son, but I explained to her that it, she really did need to come to the hospital and she needed to get there safely. She was home alone, her husband wasn't there, and, and she wasn't sure how she was going to get to the hospital. And I explained to her that she probably should call someone, a neighbor or whatever, and she needed to come. And I told her that... I would take care of her son as if he was my own until she got there. And so she did call a neighbor and she did come to the hospital. And I did instruct her to ask for me when you get here and I will bring you directly to your son's bedside. And once again, I reiterated that someone would be at her son's bedside at all times until she arrived. And she did come. And of course, we did that. And the boy was transferred to the intensive care unit. And then he was ultimately discharged from the hospital and he was discharged, uh, had to have rehab care. He did have a head injury, but actually did well. And the reason why I know his outcome is because his mother did approach me at my daughter's dance recital a few years later. And she said, do you remember me? And I, I've, I've learned to say, well, you look familiar. <laughs> and she said, I will never forget you. She said, you are the only reason why I got to my, got to the hospital safely. Um, you know, you were incredible, the words that you shared and the kindness that you showed to me. So <clears throat> I tell you that story just because we have 
many, many opportunities to be able to do that. At least I did in my career. And I always made sure that I brought my best to the bedside so that people could have that kind of experience, especially when they were dealing with such a difficult situation. So that was a defining moment to me. And that I tell that story to a lot of the nurses who come on board because I tell them that you have to bring your best self to the bedside. When you're coming in in the morning, you have to bring your best because you will have a profound impact on people and they will remember you forever. That's such a good reminder. I think for nurses, anyone who has the ability to speak into people's lives in a very sometimes critical, sometimes very scary. I tell people the reason we have to show up is because there are going to be people who this is the worst day of their life. And we get to be a part of that. Sometimes it's a very small part, but either way, like we have a chance to show kindness on what could be for the rest of their life seen as like the worst day. And it's honestly, it's such a privilege to have that kind of an opportunity every shift, every time you walk in, you have an opportunity to do that for someone. And I love that you were able to have that kind of follow-up where that mom walked up to you and let you know. A lot of times we don't always get that follow-up, but I think that those moments help us to remember, even hearing your story helps me to remember that I do make a difference. I have made a difference. And even if they don't get a chance to come back and tell me, I know that I have, and I'm going to continue to show up and can continue to do that for that one. So thank you for sharing that with us. It's It was such a, a meaningful moment and definitely a great reminder. So thank you, Mary. I get the chance to ask you a few rapid fire questions. So I will kind of shift the gears in the podcast a little bit. But if there was a career outside of healthcare that you'd like to try, what would it be? So many things go through my mind, but I think that I would like to work in like a happy place, like at Disney World or and in, you know, somewhere where it, people and families come to have a good time. I think that that would be very rewarding. I've often thought it'd be fun to be like, Maybe not like the character dressed up, but at the very <laughs> least to wear a costume to work every day, like that would be fun. I know I've done the whole PJs thing in my scrubs, but I think it'd be fun <laughs> to wear a costume to work every day. Awesome. Well, I have three categories of favorites. What is your favorite book? And it can be all time or just something you're reading right now. So actually I am reading a book right now that's very interesting. It's called Outlive and it's by Peter Atia. He's a physician but it's about living longer and living better. And he talks about um, health span versus lifespan. And if you're proactive in your approach to lifestyle choices, you can actually beat the impact of chronic disease. So it's very, very interesting. But what's very important is exercise. So, you know, people who decide to exercise make a good conscious effort to have a better health span. That's awesome. I wrote that down. All right. Favorite movie or TV show. Again, it can be something binge worthy that you're watching now, or it can be something that you just could watch anytime. I do like the sound of music. It always reminds me of our family coming together and at holidays and we would sit down and watch it together. And it's just so uplifting. It's just one of my favorite movies. Oh, 
Right. Lots of nostalgia when I think of the sound of music and yeah. the opening scene and the beauty of the, oh, yes. Yeah. Such a good movie. Okay. Favorite musical artists. And again, all time or just something that you're currently into. So I think this was something that I would never say, but we just went to the Broadway musical, Ain't Too, Ain't Too Proud, which is the story of the Temptations. Yeah. And I never realized how great their music was or how political they actually were. And the music is still in my head because it was just so well done. So that would be my favorite right now. That's awesome. All right. So you've talked a ton about adding value to people and bringing your best self to work. So my question is, that means that you're taking care of yourself, right? In order for you to bring that. So what is your self-care go-to or a hobby outside of healthcare that really helps fill your tank? So really what I do on a daily basis is some sort of physical workout, which includes aerobics, jump rope, working out with weights. It just, no matter how tired I am, no matter how long the day was, if you take the time to do that, you feel better. And that's what I, I really do on a daily basis. And then we have a place at the Jersey Shore. So we have our bicycles and we go biking on the boardwalk all the time. And there's just nothing like it. So they're probably my favorite things. Mary, if our audience would like to follow you, what online platforms could they do that at? Just on LinkedIn. Mary, thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you for all of your knowledge and expertise that you're sharing with each one of the listeners. I hope as each person is listening to this, that they're writing notes like I am and um, taking some tips back to the department to be a better leader, be a better nurse, or even just professionally engage more. So thank you for sharing those with us. And I think you're discussion about your interaction with a patient's family member is really valuable. I think that there's a lot of people that forget about how important and impactful that is and what a truly unique situation nurses are put into to make a lifelong impact on so many each and every day. So thank you for sharing that. And Holly, I'll turn it back over to you, but Mary, again, just really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Michael. I want to take this time to thank Mary for joining us for this episode of BCN and Friends. Thank you, Mary, for sharing your expertise, innovation, and advice with us. Your insight into leadership within emergency nursing and beyond will continue to create impact as you share and encourage new leaders. Check out BC and Learn for more details about the courses mentioned in this episode and much more. And to all of our listeners, we hope you will stay tuned as we continue with BCN and Friends and bring you new and meaningful content and perspectives. If you have a suggestion for an episode, please email us at bcn at bcn.org. I'm Holly Briggs here with Michael Dexter. And on behalf of the entire BCN team, we thank and celebrate you for all that you're doing as professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. Until next time, we are out. We are out.